Hello, Home Straight homies. We are the Back Straight Boys and Girl, bringing you our latest musings on the world of athletics, on the track, on the field, on the road, and as was the case last week, I believe, Bayo in the beer tent. <laughs> I'm Claire. I'm Bayo, and I'm Jodie. So much has gone on since we last met. We've been really good recently at doing a regular podcast, but the season is well and truly underway. So actually, our to-do list today is, well, about 10,000 metres long. How was Highgate? (laughs) Highgate was, was, I mean, obviously it's a great event. We loved it as an event. And we got some amazing interviews. We spoke to Seb Coe, Wendy Sly, to the winners, uh, well, the the first Brits in in the champs as well. Um, Sven, uh, President Sven was there. Our good friend. They're all coming up later in the the podcast. Stop the press. Did you say Seb Coe? Yes. (laughs) So the Seb Coe, president of the IAAF, is on our podcast. Yes. So those of you listening, do not hit that stop button because, boy, have we got a big name coming up for you later on in the show. Hi, I'm Dina Asher-Smith and you're listening to the Backstraight Boys. Overall, um, the night of 10,000 PB is mm. also incorporating the European Cup. So it was... A, a, and the British European Trials. Yes, which I didn't even realise yeah. till, till afterwards. It was buried way down in the explanation. Yeah, I that was, that was actually quite important as yeah. well. And it was the first two who qualified. Um, so there were some great races. I mean, on an on a international scale, because of the, the European um, Club Championships, Cup Championships, European Cup. <laughs> it's complicated because you're right. Because there are lots of concurrent events going on within every single race. Yes. Yeah. So that really raised the kind of overall mm. all level of even the B race. The women's B race was running thirty two something, which was I mean phenomenal. Um, but the performances that really stood out were for some from some of the Brits. Yeah. And specifically Alex Yee. Oh, what an amazing <laughs> comeback story. I mean, I remember when he was a junior and he started moving into the triathlon, some of the stats from his races were fantastic. He's clearly such a talent. Mm. And then there was that bike crash. When was that? Maybe 18 months no, ago? No, it was that June last year. In a duathlon, it feels like it? a long time ago. And I just remember thinking, that is potentially a career ender. Yeah. Because it was really severe. He had a punctured lung. He had damage to his back, damage to his arms. But clearly not been a problem. I mean, to cut, he's so young. Mm. I mean, he's still only 20, I think. Yeah. Is he? Um, to run so fast. Mm. But even better, Andy Vernon was second. Chris Thompson was third. Yeah, tell us what <laughs> actually happened. Well, they all ran under 28 minutes, which is the first time since 1983. Bislett 1983 was the last time that happened. Um, so that's... The, the three British Three people. British people ran under... Sorry, three British people ran under 28 minutes within the same race. 28 minutes is a big milestone for British athletes. athletes. I mean, mm. Obviously, every year we've had Mo who's done it, but recently it's only really been Andy Vernon, Chris Thompson... Um, not very many people have run under that for years so three in the same race very high standard so all of that excitement <laughs> massive burn up on the last lap like you said Alex you British Alex, champion Alex got that right? British champion mm. I think yeah Andy Vernon was second and Chris Thompson third I mean all of them got the qualifying time for the European Championships the first two are now qualified for the European oh, Championships um, but let's, let's hear from them because I had a chat with them afterwards Andy I don't think I've ever seen a race for, for, for Brits of such quality, three of you under 28, uh, 28 minutes tonight. Yeah, I, I don't think I have either. <laughs> I mean, I, I reeled in um, Alex quite a lot on that last lap, but not quite enough. And then, yeah, I had Tom O'Brien down my neck yeah. as well. So, yeah, it was close. That was a, it was a tough last lap. But we thought you were going to move up, up a distance. Where do you still get the speed for the 10,000? Well, I didn't feel like I had any speed today. <laughs> I am, I'm going to be moving up the distances and I'm going to be moving up to uh, the marathon uh, next year, hopefully. Uh, for the 10k, you don't really need speed. You just need you just need some grit and you need to grind it out. Uh, I think I only ran like a, a 59, 60 last lap, so it wasn't it wasn't blistering. But uh, yeah, I've definitely lost a lot of speed over the last few years. We saw you at the Commonwealth Games a, like a few weeks ago, and I'm sure you weren't overly happy with your performance there. What's changed between then and now? Uh, it was a lot cooler. <laughs> no, no humidity, yeah. um, and I wasn't running 27:10 pace at the start. It was a tough race. I mean, I ran a lot of it on my own as well. Um, it was one of those races where I was a little bit out of my depth in competition, I think, uh, especially on the start. Like at the start of the first six laps, um, they, were, they were running like 65, 66 pace, but they are also going kind of like 32, 34, 32, 34. And um, yeah, it's just not a good way to run at 10K. And there's you, Alex Yee and Chris Thompson, all run way under the qualifying for the Europeans. Will you be running at the Europeans if you get selected? Yeah, I hope to do the 5K as well. So uh, yeah, I'd like to try to do both if I can. Going forward, when are we going to see you do a marathon? Hopefully London next year. I, I, don't, I don't know for sure. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one I've kind of got earmarked. The British champion at the night of 10,000 PBs on his 10,000 metre debut. Yeah, um, honestly, I, I can't, can't, can't believe it. Uh, 
I kind of came in not really expecting to be to be competitive in the race. I kind of just wanted to go out and run a good time, and um, I'm over the mean to to be even in the race. Uh, at all. Well, you certainly had a good time. You went 27.52, I'm not 100% sure, but super fast, under 28 minutes, and a qualifying for the European Championship. So will, you, will we see you in the 10K at the Europeans? Oh, without a doubt, I'll be there. I, I, it's, it, it wasn't something that I'd expect, expected to happen, but I, I, yeah, I'm, I'll be there. I, I can't quite believe it. <laughs> Now, we're used to seeing you, obviously, as a very successful junior on the track and also over cross-country. And this is, you're now senior. Your first year as a senior. Yes. You've come out, you've run one of the best 10Ks ever. Three people under 28 minutes for the UK, and that hasn't happened since 1979. Like, <laughs> you led the way. Yeah, um, I, I was running with the, with, uh, the other two with, with about a mile to go. And I, they'd obviously been in front for the majority of the way, so I kind of thought I'd help push on the pace as well and do my bit of the work and uh, I kind of just kept pushing on and yeah I, honestly I, I couldn't quite believe it uh, finishing up. You had a bit of an accident last year with the triathlon where you broke your arm and you and punched a lung or something yeah yeah ribs, so your, in the future where are we going to see you we're going to see you safely on the track are we going to see you doing the dangerous triathlon? Honestly I'm just going to do whatever makes me happy and I, at the moment I'm training in Leeds for triathlon I'm really enjoying it um I've got the best, the best group I could ask for, and also training with the best in the world with the Brownlee brothers. So I, honestly, I'm in, I'm in the best place possible. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I honestly can't complain. <laughs> We're just being a bit selfish. We just want you all, for, all for ourselves. So going forward, this is your first ever 10K. It must give you loads of confidence going forward. And what can we expect from you later in the summer? Um, honestly, this was the only track race I had planned uh, for the year. So uh, I guess I'm going to have to look at that and uh, reassess. So. I'll have to come back to you with that one because uh, this has come as a bit of a shock, really. So what was really interesting hearing Alex say was he had no intention of doing any other races this year, <laughs> but now he's going to go to the Europeans. Um, I really hope we don't lose him to triathlon because well, that's he, really where his heart is. I yeah, he, he has said that in the future he sees himself as a, as a triathlete, which obviously for us he's like, don't do it. But mm. I, I know, you know, if it's, it's, it's the event you enjoy, I suppose, more. And I, I can understand that if it's three, event, three different things, it must be hard work, but if you just... If you like cycling, you like swimming, you like that event, it's going to be hard to keep him. Do you think that if he continues to perform, to outperform like this, he could be wooed back to athletics? Well, I think the problem is that triathlon these days is having a bigger and bigger um, profile. profile, And there's probably more money to be made in triathlon, potentially being the World Olympic champion in Mm -hmm. an event, than there is being the top Brit um, 10,000 metre runner. I mean, other than Mo, the likelihood of someone becoming the world Olympic champion in the 10,000 from Britain is pretty, you know, we're not, it's not something you assume because you've got the East Africans to look after to but take into account. At the moment, he seems to have been doing both very well. Yeah. Whatever training he's doing for the triathlon is definitely working for the track as well. So, and the 10,000, you don't, it's not something you have to do every week no. in and out. So maybe Wait. he can just come up and do the championship. But, but I suspect mm. someone in British um, triathlon is going to be putting the kibosh on that on. Definitely. <laughs> I often wonder if triathlon prolongs your career slightly or is a slightly yeah. safer bet not only because you're right the money and the fact that Britain is such a world lead world leader world yeah. podium yeah. reacher in it but also the lack of impact on your joints is so much yeah. better and if you're someone like Alex E perhaps who's coming back from a really serious injury it's quite nice to not have to run every day you can have days where there's no impact on your body whatsoever absolutely I mean on the women's side um, Charlotte Arter was the, was the British champion sorry we're, we're ignoring the people who won the European Cup but I can't remember who they are <laughs> We're <laughs> <laughs> too busy cheering on the bridge. <laughs> Apologies to the whole of Europe. <laughs> um, Charlotte had a great race. Um, we, I was watching it with Joe Pavey's um, husband, and we'd all had a few beers, and we got totally <laughs> confused who was on what lap and who'd overtaken who. We didn't realise who it. But that was a great run um, as well. She's qualified for the, for the European Championships, um, so it's really nice to see new talent coming through, which we have done at this event for the last yeah. few years. Um, and just I hope we can get. Um, the 10,000 metre runners back on we always seem to have like one who's doing quite well or, or the other like we, not but then the they move time. to the roads or do, the, do a marathon there hasn't been a lot of consistency has there no but now we've got people like you know Jenny Nesbitt is obviously a real talent such a graft to Charlotte Arter Gemma Steele ran brilliantly just this morning we're recording at the bank holiday just this morning at the Westminster 10,000 metres so there's that group of longer distance British yeah. athletes who perhaps they're really driving one another on and there's a really positive culture yeah and I, I think Ailish is going to come 
more uh, to, yeah. the, to the yeah, longer distances. She's great on the roads. Yeah, mm. I, 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 obviously she's very strong. So there's there's a nice little group. Um, Amelia Gorecha did her first ever um, 10K. So she so, did. Yeah, so I mean, it, there's, I just hope um, that we can get a little core of people who are going to push each other on and get down into the 31s and mm. hopefully like the 30s again. Hi, I'm Morgan Lake and you're listening to the Backstreet Boys. But the overall event is just fantastic. I mean, mm. it's, it's just such a great event. It really, really is. You know, we talked about it last week and about... Um, all the sort of things they've got there, the, the, the beer tents and the, the bands and all the rest of it. But it's just so many people show up. I mean, it's thousands of people show up. And it's right, everyone's sort of really close. It's just such a, such a great event. And I really hope that other um, events, athletics events, can sort of take this idea. And there's no reason why you can't have a throws fest. They have them in Germany in that, yeah. throws mm. fest, doesn't they? Nobody can't kind have of throws or jumps or a, or a sprints great, one or yeah. relays one. You know, this should be something that UKA or whatever they call themselves these days... What do they call themselves these days? British Athletics. British Athletics. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But they should... Obviously, this has been done by a Highgate club, you know, but it's something that British Athletics need to look into. Because Um, they've got it so right. Yes, so, so right. And they can be all around the country, you know. It's a really good idea. So, I mean, obviously, that's something we've been saying on the podcasts lots of times. Um, But you actually have the chance to say it to someone who's really important who might make a difference. (laughs) Friend of the pod, President Sven Arne Hansen. Friend of the pod. He is friend of the pod. (laughs) (laughs) It was him who got us into the Europeans the other year, wasn't it? Do you remember when he he actually called up the people and said, give the Backstreet Boys them press accreditation? So, um, friend of the pod, the president of the European Athletics Association, um, Sven Arne Hansen. Do you know how popular you are with all the athletics fans around the world? No, I have no idea. I hope that athletics is popular around the world. UK athletics is very popular. Well, I think what we find often with people who are high up in like the echelons of athletics is, you know, us fans, we, we have lots of issues with them. But you tend to speak about all the stuff that we're interested in. You tend to speak about the issues that we agree with. Um, and you are not afraid to sort of stand up, stand up and say things that, you know, we've all been talking about, really. No, because, you know, I went to be elected on to be a voice for athletics, to be a voice for Europe. And I tried to be that. And together with the, the support or the president of the IWF, I think we are really doing. We are we are voicing. We are looking into the problems and we try to solve them. And the most important outside athletes are the fans. Well, we agree. So th- thanks ever so much for everything you're doing. We're here at the Knights of 10,000 um, PBs, which incorporates the European uh, 10K Cup this year. Um, events like this are really, really important, especially for an event like the 10,000 metres. Uh, it's very, very important because now we can... You are organising a big event and we are bringing a little bit of extra flavour onto into that event. And you see here, 25 federations are sending their some of their best athletes here. And I only just uh, now talked to the Ukrainian. They were so happy. Two of the girls had now qualified for Berlin. And that's what we want to see. We want them to be here to qualify for the championships later on. And uh, this is a great event. And I hope we can still continue to be part of this in the future. Sven, you were for a long time the meeting director of Bislit, which was, is that right? 30, 30 years. Yes, <laughs> but that was famous for having 10,000 metres and obviously Andrew Christensen used to run them every year. Why don't Diamond Leagues and big meetings have 10Ks anymore? No, because I'm not the boss. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't know, because we in Norway love 10,000 metres because it's the history from speed skating. We know the lap times, we can follow the, uh, the runners, and we are really interested in the long distances. But, you know, the world has changed since I left. I was the meeting director for 29 years, from 85 to 2010, and, you know, it's, the world has changed. Um, I think this kind of event could very easily be used for sort of other events, having like um, jumps or throws and other things. Are there plans for things like that, maybe to use um, the, the format for other other types of event? Yes, we have to look into here you now and take the best out of this. But for example, we are now working in European athletics on a relay festival like this. So we have exactly the same. Maybe we can even do it here, a relay festival. We have we have great support for that. We can have teams from the national teams, the club teams, uh, uh, corporate teams, uh, fan teams. We want to bring maybe five, ten thousand runners together in the teams to our uh, team competitions. That well, is one. That sounds great, and we obviously will be there. Somewhere else we'll obviously be is the European Championships in Berlin um, this summer. How excited are you for that competition? Uh, we are very, very excited because you know we have already sold two hundred thousand tickets 
and it's really really great it will be hopefully about 50 55,000 every day and it will be European athletics so every European country they will see their flag on the TV screen or they will be and I'm so happy Britain has bought the most tickets outside of Germany <laughs> for the moment more than six and a half thousand tickets has gone to Britain and that is more than a thousand people every day from Britain and uh, the fans of Britain are everywhere I know they came to Oslo they came everywhere I go um, I think we are part of a really passionate athletics nation yeah we do whenever you go around the world there's always loads of Union Black Jacks flying isn't there um, what do you think sort of uh, on, a, on a European athletics level what do you think the most important issues at the moment are for athletics in Europe the most important is to get uh, people to love the sport again to have trust in the sport and I think Seb Co as the president has done a lot of the governance there. We, we don't have that problem in Europe to be really we don't have that but we are working also now on the transfer of allegiance people have to wait three or four years before they can come we don't want them to to, to come in from uh, to be bought by federations and then just come into our championships they can compete but not in our championships so that is one of the main issues and I think this is part of why it's so popular here because here we see so many people all colors all nations everybody is here from all over Europe. Me and Bayo are kind of really strange athletics fans. Sometimes, for actually quite often, I find myself at three in the morning YouTubing videos of you from the 80s. Oh my God, that's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true. I'm obsessed with you and Yvonne Murray and Zola Buzz. <laughs> Oh, thank you. That's and Shireen lovely. Bailey as well. Yeah, well, I can understand that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, Wendy, um, obviously, Britain had had some great distance runners uh, over the years, but I think back in the 80s was kind of where it all started. And probably you were the person that really raised it up to the public notice and the really great level of distance runners we've had ever since. Well, I think I was very lucky in that I followed a pioneering group of men that ran 10,000 and 5,000, and um, they were a total inspiration to me. So Dave Bedford, Ian Stewart, Brendan Foster. You know, we were so lucky as young kids growing up to see those icons really, um, I don't know, leading the way. And I was a, a female that grew up in a world where 800 metres was the longest <laughs> distance you could run. Um, but I wanted to be like them and luckily for me um, in the 1980s they brought in the 3,000 metres and then the 10,000 metres so I was able at least to compete at a high level at 3,000 whereas if I'd been born 20 years earlier I wouldn't have been able to do that so I, I feel grateful for lots of things I feel grateful for having had such a wonderful group of athletes to follow and I feel grateful for being part of a group of females that entered the, the real world of distance running because um, obviously you got the silver medal in 82 at the Commonwealth Games behind Anne Aldane, um, two fifths at the World Championships in 83 behind Mary Decker, and then of course the, what you're famous for is the silver medal at the um, Olympics in 84. I mean, how does it feel? Because that is probably the most famous race ever at the Olympics, and you, you were the silver medalist. It's famous for all the wrong <laughs> exactly, reasons. Exactly, yes. I know, I know. <laughs> um, well, I was very proud of myself that day because... If I hadn't won a medal, I would have been mortified because I knew I was in really, really good shape. I ran two, three in training, literally a couple of days, well, a week before, and um, I knew that the only person who was ever going to let me down that day was going to be me. So regardless of what, what, what went on, and a lot went on, as we all know, um, it was really down to me that day to perform in the way I knew I could perform. And I knew I was in PB shape which probably at that point would have been 8.34, 8.35. I didn't run that quick, but... Almost. um, Yeah, (laughs) but I ran quick enough to do what I I probably thought I could do. Um, With 800 to go, I seriously thought I had a chance of winning it. But she was stronger than me on the day. I think that race, because obviously of the, the Zola Bud and Mary Decker drama, that overshadowed both yourself and Mary Teacher Puika, who were world class distance runners and potentially could have come first and second anyway. Yeah, I want to say I, I knew that Mary wasn't in the best shape. Um, she'd been injured and she ran too hard in the heat. So I knew Zola That's was. Mary Decker. But yeah, <laughs> Zola was inexperienced, so it was always going to be a tough stage for her. So I. I knew that unless I really got it horribly wrong, I should come away with a medal. Yeah. Um, After the LA, I think you really struggled with injuries and stuff, so you never really got back to that kind of form again. 
do you think if you'd been able to run longer distances, um, it would have been more beneficial for you? Was was a ten thousand something you'd or five or ten something you would have aimed for? Yeah, I think I only ran a couple of ten thousands on the track, and I probably made a mistake in '88. They told me um, that I couldn't double because I qualified for both, but I was told that um, I had to choose. That I, I guess basically they were saying that women were capable <laughs> yeah. of doing a three and a ten, whereas now it wouldn't be a problem at all. And I was probably in the best shape ever um, at those Olympics and I finished seventh in the mm. 3000 and I ran my second fastest ever time um, but I think I probably could have done okay in the 10k had I been given that chance but you know because you were world champion on the roads at 10k yeah yeah, I was. Back in 83? 83, yeah, yeah, the first World Championships, yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you very much for coming today. What do you think of events like this, where there's so many 10K runs in one night, and women are allowed to run them? I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm not being funny. If I was running now, I would love this, because this is what sport's about. It's about feeling the support and feeling the love, and, you know, suddenly 25 laps doesn't feel so far when you've got so many people cheering you on. And be a tense. And, you know, you've got to be really, yeah, exactly, <laughs> you've got to be really mentally tough to run 10,000 metres or 5,000. And um, I think having the crowd so close to the runners means that the runners feed from that and it makes it that, just that little bit easier. Hi, this is Tony Minicello and you're listening to The Back Straight Boys. <laughs> Perfect. It is a shame that we don't get more 10,000s on the circuit anymore and if it was up to Sven we would, but... Um... But he's great. I love him because he's, as I said to him there, he's he he brings up the things that we care about, you know. Yeah. And he feels like again, he really feels like a fan. He feels like someone who is really, really properly invested in the sport. And also, he's really approachable. He'll talk yeah, to you on yeah. Twitter, you know. And he he just it's it's so refreshing after so many years of having people who running the sport who you really didn't think even watched watch the, the sport, you know. <laughs> well, you know they didn't. <laughs> yeah, we know they didn't. Yeah, because usually asleep, wasn't they? Um, but you know, and this is going back. Decades, yeah. and I'm just talking about the last, the last president of the IWF. But it's just so good to have people like him in it. He really does sort of do us all proud. And did you see me? Did you, you obviously just heard me um, fanboying about Wendy Sly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true. There's so many great videos on YouTube nowadays, and I often find myself like at three in the morning googling. Who should I Google? Wendy Sly comes up a lot. Eva Murray comes up. I don't know. 80s and 90s. British middle British female distance runners <laughs> I don't know that's why I'm, that's why I'm obsessed with at the moment so it was really amazing <laughs> to speak to Wendy Sly and I feel, feel like she's a little bit forgotten yeah I agree because yeah. she was almost at the vanguard of the, the great British um, distance runners that came after her Olympic silver medalist like fifth at the world championships um, great runner she's always involved in, in she sport is, yeah. you, you'll see her at loads of events mm-hmm. it's really really nice for her to take the time to chat to us I'm Andy Butcher, and you're listening to the Backstreet Boys. And we did actually meet up with another very special guest, didn't we? Is it Subco? No, it's original Backstreet Boy, Matt, <laughs> Matt Wood. Wood. That's way more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> right up with, with our best guest ever, I think. It's original Backstreet Boy, Matt Wood. Hooray! I think I'm in the probably the top 1,000 guests we've ever had on the show. Uh, <laughs> good to be back. My, well, was it Dulcet? Northern Northern utterances Utterances That was a fantastic line Thank you for that Claire um, So we're here tonight At the night of the 10,000 PBs yep. An event which you brought us to first um, Like three Two, three years ago now Wasn't it? Yeah um, And it's got so much bigger since Yeah so I think it was four years ago now We just had Myself and my friend Tom We had a couple of deck chairs And we had Dave Bedford And we sat there And we interviewed people And it was a bit raw So now looking at Actually at the venue This point in time We've got jumbo screens We've got a large uh, Walkway across the track We've got beer on the track we've got Strava here doing their thing we've got uh, loads of other Pro Direct doing their thing London Marathon events doing their thing loads of big companies at this event it's a fantastic occasion we've got a European Cup this year so this is the the first time this has actually happened last year it was the Olympic Trials and uh, this year it's the European Cup so there's a lot more um, pomp and ceremony about this occasion um, but it's looking good out there Presidents yeah there, there are big stars well. President Sven Arne Hansen's here Wendy Sly's here Joe Pavey's here um, and you're here which is most important of all listen it's great to have you back on the pod and hopefully we'll be seeing you back very very soon over the summer you're going to come on over the summer aren't you Matt? I'm especially going to come over on the major championships <laughs> <laughs> hi my name is Kim Collins and you are listening to the Backstreet Boys such a professional whatever man Bear, we've spoken quite a bit now about the greats of British distance running <laughs> I did the Hackney Half Marathon and do you know what it was absolutely fine 
Yeah, you've done quite funny. a lot of training compared had, to what no, you normally do. I hadn't. No, I hadn't at all. I'd done one really long run. Other than that, I'd done <laughs> next to no training. Isn't that but, what all the greats do? One really long run. <laughs> but what really, really helped, genuinely helped, was I spoke to some people the night before at um, Night for 10,000 TVs who gave me some really good advice. Now, you saw on Twitter earlier this week and I was asking if beer was carb loading. Yeah. You suggested that possibly it's not, which is disappointing. Yeah, I didn't want to disappoint you by saying it's not, but I think possibly it's not. I normally go for like rice, potatoes, pasta, that type of thing. You know, it's not maybe the best thing to do, but I know it's tempting because the atmosphere here is absolutely amazing and that will lift you for the morning. I think that's the important thing. Well, you'll be pleased to know I was eating pasta this afternoon and I've only had one cider. That's it, all evening. Wow, that is really motivated and dedicated of you. And I'm Isn't sure it? <laughs> I, I'm quite proud of myself. Yeah. Now, this is a fantastic event here tonight, which is going to inspire me for tomorrow, as will thinking of you as I run round. I'm doing the Hatley Half Marathon at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. I shouldn't well, be here now. It's going to be warm, so keep drinking. Not beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was one of our questions. Could beer be considered carb-loading? Uh, it would, no. It, it, it's great. The, the, the alcohol is not a great... It's great after the race. In moderation, it's certainly not good during the race. See, so they were really, really helpful, genuinely helpful. Also, I had a really long chat with Tim Hutchins, who gave me the best advice about like, how to pace it and things. And I was absolutely fine. I, what was really good was I did it with a, a friend of mine who's half my age, um, and I beat him. <laughs> I beat a 22 year old <laughs> by four or five minutes. Um, what was great was because I know a, a lot a bit about distance running, obviously, I'm not very good at it, but I know a bit about it. So when he sort of went off, and he was about 100 meters ahead of me at one point, um, and I could see him, and I thought, You've gone too quick. I'm just going to keep plodding along, you mm-hmm. know. And I caught up with him. And you know that thing we always say when you overtake someone in a long distance race, you don't look back. And I just <laughs> went straight past, like being, you know, putting those rows of motor in like, <laughs> 1990. <laughs> I went straight past him and then he came back and went past me and I thought no that's not what you do tuck him behind me tuck him behind me but no he went past me completely blew up ended up walking Jenny um, Simpson eat your heart out sounds like a tactical masterclass from you no, I did 154 which is fine it's not well not great but it was fine uh, considering I wasn't really ready and it was really hot as well uh, but most of all I was just really quite pleased with myself good talking about marathons and half marathons um, it was nice to hear from Joe Pavey and what I was very excited about is there's the possibility she She's not committed to it yet that Joe might do uh, an autumn marathon because she feels like she's got unfinished oh, really? business in the marathon yeah um, she's not run many has she no. I think she's only run two I think she ran London one year and ran 228 and then I think she ran New York which you mm-hmm. can't run a fast time no, in New York well, that's really unusual um, to pick that of one of your two yeah so she feels like she can run a lot faster than that and I think by September she's going to be 45 so that would be she might be looking at the veterans for masters 45 world record incredible so I'd love to see that because I I agree I think she's got some unfinished business on the road speaking really briefly slight tangent here but I saw a really funny tweet I can't remember who it was by and it's incredibly accurate saying I think newly qualified vet Laura Muir is about to become the latest mother of two Joe baby (laughs) (laughs) it's true they cannot speak about her without discussing the fact that she's got children (laughs) obviously we heard a little bit of marathon half marathon 10k advice from Joe baby there but also from Sebco, we have mentioned him about five times already with <laughs> such shameless name droppers. Should we get into the nitty gritty and the real meat of your chat with him? Absolutely. I'm here with like probably the most um, special guest we've ever had on the podcast. It's His Royal Highness, Sebco. Welcome to Blackstreet Boys, Seb. I'm very happy to be here. Well, listen, we're very very. Foot from Wembley. What was at Wembley today? Oh, some minor minor football event. I know nothing about football. What was at Wembley today? <laughs> my team's just won the FA Cup, so I'm particularly happy. Um, I have yeah. a celebratory beer in my hand. Yeah, that's that's the wrong podcast. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to something that's more important, which is athletics. We we were in Gold Coast recently. No, it's serious. I didn't even wait for the cup to be lifted. I've got a motorbike from Wembley to get here for this evening. Exactly, the night of the ten thousand exactly, PBs is much much more important. My loyalty life. Yeah. I know literally nothing about football. I didn't even know it was the FA Cup today. So. Good, okay. You know, there was a royal wedding as well. Apparently, I didn't watch it. Yeah, I think that, was, that was up there with the FA Cup. You weren't invited? No, I went to the FA Cup. <laughs> <laughs> hey, moving on swiftly. Yes. Um, we were, we were obviously in Gold Coast. You were in Gold Coast. Yeah. And do you know what was really lovely for us to see and for all our friends fans to see? It's the IWF president at an event like that, hanging out, having fun and interacting with everybody. And it's a breath of fresh air. Well, thank you, but I don't think that should be something special. I mean, it's our sport, isn't it? And I joined an athletics club when I 
involved in the sport. So, you know, and our sport is a friendly sport. It's not, you know, sometimes we overcomplicate it, sometimes we can make it too formal. But Australia really does know how to, well, they know how to do two things. They know how to deliver a great event, and they also know how to take some of the formality out of it. And I thought the atmosphere was terrific. And I, I used to train, I've lived in Australia for a few years, so it's a country I, I really like. You made some comments out there about how you'd like them to maybe put themselves forward for the World Championships. What do you think about making the World Championships in an environment like that where they love the sport, and also having a stadium that is more appropriate size? Look, we shouldn't take lightly the honour that we get given when cities say we'd like to take your event. Sometimes I think we sort of rather assume there'll always be a queue for them. Actually there won't. We have to go out and make sure people know what our sport's about and why it would be great to have them in our city. And if you look, at, you know, Australia is a, has a fantastic history for athletics. It's got something that's almost quite unique in world athletics. So they've got something called Little Hats, and it's really where a lot of their great athletes have come through. And my instinct about the sorts of things that we need to be doing is that we need to take the sport to where people are. Australia loves the sport. And they have always been penalised slightly because it's the wrong season. So when we're sort of, you know, in full flow in August, these guys are sort of heading for their winter. And it's quite difficult for them to manage the European season. The great thing about that part of Australia is you could take the World Championships there almost any time of the year. And it would be a perfectly good climate for European athletes, as we saw. You know, that, wasn't, that wasn't perfect weather conditions in Australia. But it sort of suits the European-based athletes, although the marathon got a little bit, maybe not the English one, a little bit hot. But I, you know, I, I think that we've got to take the sport around the world. We can't just keep going back to the same old places, and we've got to reflect. Our sport's got to reflect the world we live in, and you know, sometimes that's going to be a challenge. We're talking about that. We're here at the night of the 10,000 PBs tonight, which is an amazing event. And would you like to see more events like this that encouraging distance running and encouraging the community and fans to come down to the track? Yeah, absolutely. And look, you've got some absolute die-hard enthusiasts in here. Regular runners, people that know 10,000 meter running inside out. But I'm also hazarding a guess you've got a whole heap of people here that may never have been to athletics before. And what I think they'll witness tonight is enough to get the peak business. And sometimes, you know, we overcomplicate it. We have rules and regulations that in a way just sort of take the option of this This there cannot be a more simple format. You've got people running in a stadium, you've built a gantry for people to sort of be able to view it. You've got two lovely old London buses here, I'm sitting with my beer. <laughs> and you know, they're standing ten deep around the side of the track, you know, with burgers and pizzas and they're enjoying it. Well, I'm, I'm, you mentioned something that I think is very important to this whole set is the beer. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. <laughs> is there any plans for the IWF? Because we don't see, I don't think we see enough 10Ks in the circuit, and it happen in the Diamond League anymore. Is there any plans for the Diamond League to... There are a bit of a challenge in Diamond League, of course, because if you've got an hour and a half hour and 40 minutes where you're trying to condense everything into a broadcast of all not highlights package but a broadcastable live package. You have to be realistic, you know, if you've got a 10k, you're probably taking up a third at that time. So it, it is a challenge and that's why giving 10k its own space to breathe and to get people to understand what a great event is. And actually the other thing about 10k is it's so much more accessible for people to run as a distance in a marathon. You know, when you say to people in Pictou, I'm running for a marathon, it's normally, in their world, a one-off. With 10Ks, you can run them pretty regularly, and you can run them with mates, you can run them in any number of sort of charity events. I still turn out in 10Ks. I wouldn't turn out in a half One last question, we're talking about 10Ks. What would the IF yeah, exactly. do if Pastor Semenya moves up to the 10K? 
Well, it, it, this is not this is not about any individuals. The regulations we have table are to deal with a particular issue that the sport has got to confront. So there's no issue. So if you was up to 10 carry, you're not going to increase the distance, is it? No, no, no. Listen, I'm, I'm only sorry that this has become sort of, you know, we can't narrow this down to any one person or any one event. This is something that the sport has decided it has to tackle. Oh. And do you think you've tackled it in the best way? I believe so, yes. Okay. Thank you very much for coming today. It was a pleasure to meet you. And thank you, I mean, really, seriously, no, no, an honour that you come on our podcast. It really is. And thanks for doing everything you do, because you do help popularise our sport. Thank you. Same to you. <laughs> he really did not disappoint there, did he? There's just so much to pick up on on that. But first and foremost, what an absolutely lovely bloke. I mean... D- that's, that's kind of what I take from it. Number one, mm. he doesn't have to come on our podcast. Not at all. He, he doesn't have to go to the night of the 10,000 PBs. But he's so engaged in the sport. And to take the time out to have a chat with us. Like, you know, we've, we often don't say all, all positive things about the IAAF. Yeah. Or even about some of the decisions that Seb's made. Even last week we were talking about mm. um, with Casa Semenya. So to do that and come on and just have a lovely chat with us is just very commendable. And, and it's like... When you're someone in his position, you know, what's the benefit of coming on our podcast, None. you know? Yeah. He could he could say something he didn't mean to say, you know, we'd order a few drinks, etc. But he just genuinely didn't mind. And he, what he said at the end, you know, thank you for all you do, which I think is a bit overblown. But, like, <laughs> but, but, but what a lovely thing to say. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah. I know people are, are critical of him and of the IWF, etc. And there are reasons to be critical, you know. But at the same time... The, the comparison between then <laughs> and now is like night and day, you know. Completely. We used to sit in press conferences with Lamine Diak dribbling. Like, he could barely, oh, he could barely speak, you know. He was so not engaged. He got to get carted around by bodyguards. He used to come into place and you had to stand up. As he arrived. As he arrived. You were told to stand up, <laughs> like, in deference, if he was a king or something, you know. And there's Seb, like... Sat on a bus with a beer. Sat on a bus with a beer, exactly. I mean, it's just... I have so much not confidence maybe the wrong word but I, at least I have um, a feeling that things are going in the right direction he's you know? got vision he's got energy he's tactful I mean particularly about plaster <laughs> at the end there which we'll come on to in just a moment but I completely agree he's a breath of fresh air in this sport and hugely appreciative of him chatting to us absolutely this is Alison Phillips and you're listening to the Backstreet Boys what he said about Caster Samir and I do have to ask that question because we're at a fun event and we're going to but that's something we'd specifically been talking about um, yeah. the week before so I had to take that opportunity top notch journalising journalising but I mean we didn't get an answer and we're not likely to get an answer off the, off, off the cuff from the president of the IWF but, um, but what, something he did kind of say afterwards was the whole the whole thing hasn't come out yet so I think the proposals and I don't know if they're not set in stone but there's, there's more to come out and maybe when it all comes out we'll understand a bit better so let's wait and see for the yeah. moment but whatever happens if Caster Semenya is not running next year there's going to be how to pay from the backstreet boys there absolutely <laughs> will be it was so noticeable that the moment Caster came up that, you know the wall came back up and well the policy turned into politician yeah and he's like metaphorically <laughs> sat down his beer picked up a glass of like mineral water and prepared to face the press but yeah definitely wasn't all that keen to talk about it but we sure as hell are but more positively Caster was running last week so shall we turn our attention away from the 10,000 metres and high gate and talk about what's been going on all over the world yeah, let's yes. have a little round up because it's been a very busy weekend can I just say I'm loving this year of athletics so far it's been yeah. really it really good. has usually in like May I'm a bit like what are these ropey meetings you know <laughs> and I can't get into it and I don't really care yet because it doesn't really mean anything but the first three um, Diamond Leagues have all in their own way been, been brilliant and mm. Eugene okay, we're not going to beat Doha Doha is going to be the best one at the end of the year and I'm going to say this all year but um, um, Eugene at the weekend was again a really really good meeting I thought about this on the way here today and I thought oh I know why it's been so good so far it's because all the athletes are in better shape than they'd usually be because of the Commonwealth and I thought no Claire that's not true because there are American athletes yeah. running out of their skins and athletes but you know what it is involved. they don't have a major championships yeah. mm-hmm. so they haven't got to taper down for mid-season they haven't got the American trials aren't important this year mm. so a lot there's people who maybe wouldn't be competing yeah. yet or would be like 
pacing themselves yeah. have come out banging. And this is the year to chase times, not yeah. titles, yeah. because there are fewer global titles that are of interest. Now, what I really love about this year so far is there's so many events that are just brilliant. Mm. Yes. Right? So the men's javelin is brilliant, the men's shot put is brilliant, yes. the women's four um, hurdles is brilliant, yeah. the women's 1500 is brilliant. Men's the women's, triple jump. Women's triple jump is brilliant. The women's 100 metres, now this may be overstating it slightly, but it's giving me 1995 oh, at the moment. Oh, it is, you're right. It really is. There's all these like great um, um, female sprinters in the 100 who, um, have all won something but not quite you yes. know there's no one particularly dominant they um, are talk, going back and forth you never know who's going to win it's got it's Merlin and Gail and Irene and Gwen all over again <laughs> you know with uh, Tolu and Tori Bowie yeah. and Elaine Thompson and Daphne so it's just it's really exciting you genuinely don't know um who's going to win and it's they're all pushing each other forward aren't they and well, we're and just you, the beginning of the year and it's such a high calibre yeah, like you exactly. said Eugene Tarlu 10.88 and both Hure and Thompson sub 11 Dina Asher-Smith finished yes. with the fastest two, 100 metres since 2015 so her second best, fastest ever I think her best ever season opener exactly and she only finished 6th with 11.06 because yes. I thought and I thought oh it's a bit of a disappointing one from Dina just from where she was and then I saw the time I was like oh very um, impressive. Well, also, just, just very quickly, because we should talk about the, the whole thing, but I'm loving seeing so many Brits out of Diamond Leagues. I know. This early in the yeah. season. It's just really, really good to see, and I hope it continues on. Hi, I'm Ellen van Langen, and you're listening to the Backstreet Boys. So what was your highlight, Claire? Ooh, okay. Are we just doing Eugene? Just Eugene. Yeah, just yeah. Eugene. Okay. This is so rubbish of me not even talking about athletics, because also her run was scintillating, but my highlight was Sean A. Shorts. And, oh! <laughs> I tweeted about that because she replied. Yes, did she? <laughs> yes, she replied. Love that. Because, like, can I, can I just say something quickly? Yeah. I miss Shawnee's shorts. Oh my god, they were like proper old school shorts. Split size. Yeah, but they were, but they were kind of retro. You um, them baggy. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were really, really. I thought they were really hot as well. Like, she looked great. <laughs> we had natural she hair as well, which is something that I, um, I love to see. Um, Shawnee Miller is fast becoming one of my favourite athletes of all time. I totally agree. She is a superstar. She looks phenomenal. The way she runs is phenomenal. She's got a new strategy in the 400 metres, which which is going to be deadly. Because no one has got longer legs than her (laughs) and a a more elegant and effortless and efficient technique. So yeah, it was really great to see her mix it up a bit and not go out like a 200 metre runner, to go out like a 400, maybe even an 800 metre runner. She looks so elegant. Also, it was super, super windy. Mm. And she took that field apart. Yeah. And she, no she one else over a second. Yeah, I mean, no one from else the world was, champion. Yeah, mm, um, of course. On, in Americans, in America, you know, she tore that field apart. So. And she did that all in the last hundred meters. Yeah. Yeah. But imagine if that's uh, a good, you know, um, in a in a race with more competition, but also without with better. Um, um, conditions. Conditions, that's the word I'm searching yeah. for. Yeah. She's going to go around to 49 soon, isn't she? A- absolutely. And her 400 metre strategy has always been to go out hard and yeah. try and hang on. Yeah. And it just about did okay for her at the Olympics. Yeah. Didn't last year so at the World Championships. Because she tripped over herself because she was tired. And that's, that's what happened. So this new strategy is the perfect way to run a, run a 400. To use your speed, to get up to speed, to relax and then to kick home. So now what I want to see is her against Alison Felix. If Felix uses her technique where she waits till about 150 and then loses the field between 150 and 300. Yeah. If that pulls Shawnee through the final 100 metres, she's got the best final 100 metres I would argue in the world yes. right now in the 400 metres. You're right, 48's calling um, yeah. that was my highlight just because she's my highlight in general <laughs> but, um, what else did we what else did we love um, I... the men's shot put whoa <laughs> was there like six people over 21 no more than, no 2180 or something oh right right yeah it was wow. phenomenal mm. and it kind of got a little bit missed because obviously it's, it's, it is quite difficult to showcase a shot put yeah. competition um, and I don't think the lines were very helpful either. The lines were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> were they? I haven't noticed. Well, no, you know that. the ones the TV put on. You know the yeah. ones TV put on, um, like, lines that aren't actually there in real life, don't, don't they? Yes. And so they were sh- 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 putting way over 22 metres, according to the line on the things. Because so, we're thinking Tom Walsh is going to clean up this year. Well, Tom Walsh came fourth with, like, 21.85 or something. Yeah. You know, it's the, the, the longest anyone's ever thrown for fourth place. But a new Brazilian record, I think he was... Ju- was he just over 22 metres or just, just under 22 metres? And a new Polish record. Record. Polish record and considering the, the history of Polish shot put isn't even in the last few years yeah. that's a surprise so there's a lot of talent out there at the moment and, and hopefully some of those <laughs> and isn't it, distances it, it, from a while ago are going to disappear because isn't it yeah. funny when what, a, a, an event that we're loving at the moment is the men's shot put <laughs> not traditionally an event any of us care about at all is it national records dropping like flies mm-hmm. Eliza McCartney who I think is this huge oh, yeah. oh, talent yes. 
485, which she's been jumping and training for ages. I am a huge fan of hers. I'm always keeping up with her on Instagram, watching her in training, and she looks so good and strong and powerful. And she'll go, oh, 490 in training today, and it'll only be an elastic. But she's now doing it in competition, mm. so I think that's really exciting. But she know. didn't win. Jen Sir won at oh, 36. I but know, I, I, you know, just because she was, she was, I mean, she's been around, but she hasn't been doing much for a couple of years, Jen Sir. Yeah. Mm. I just kind of thought, oh, she's kind of come to the end. <laughs> but she's, done, she, she's done 93 already this year. Wow. Bizarrely. And my other favourite from Eugene was another national record. Now, do you remember a couple of weeks ago when you boys were jet lagged? I was really stressed with work and we had a bit of a chat over the phone and we thought, let's record a little segment to put in the pod about our favourite Gold Coast performances. And it was so garbled because we were all so exhausted that we never used it. We never used it because it was rubbish. <laughs> Honestly, pants. It takes a lot of work to produce high quality journalism like this. It was half hour of us just talking absolute gibberish, wasn't it? But you asked me who my favourite Australian performance was at the Commonwealth. And one of the ones that I said was, and I'm, I don't mind if you look blank at this because you're very jet-lagged, you probably don't even remember the conversation. I do. Lyndon Hall in the women's 1500 metres trained at Florida State University in the NCAA she's really good friends with Colin Quigley and that sort of coterie of athletes she's really talented very young huge personality I just honestly could talk about how much I love Lyndon Hall all day (laughs) and she went for broke in the Commonwealth she decided you know what gold or nothing and she led the race the whole way and just got overtaken in about the last 80 metres to finish fourth but she went out in Eugene and she's now an Australian record holder she ran Four minutes and 0.86 of a second behind some big names. Yeah. Laura Muir was in there, Shelley Houlihan was in there. And a national record, how fantastic for someone who had a really disappointing home Commonwealth Games to go out and do that. What a strange race that was, because everyone seemed to throw their normal tactics out yeah. the window. It was really we- weird, because Laura, we're used to Laura leading and kind mm. of trying to make it a fast race. We're definitely not used to um, Jenny Simpson taking a race out. You're getting it wrong. Yeah. It, was, it was very confusing, and then it was much faster than I thought it was, it was going to be. It was super fast, wasn't it? And I remember thinking Laura came second, because she got herself in a right mess. I mean, yeah. she was like all blocked and, and um, trapped, wasn't she, on the inside? But then she her first race out, she won 159.5 yeah. or something. Her mm. first race of the year. That's so exciting. She's because in great shape. She's in great shape, yeah. But it just it looked like she was trying testing something to me. It looked like she was... Because per- you, you're not... Laura doesn't get in boxed up because she's out front she's pushing the pace and with 100 to go Laura's back in the pack and then comes comes out Mm. and sprints I wondered whether she was trying to do something interestingly we have talked on this pod about how she needs to maybe try and find some some different tactics so maybe now's the time to try it isn't it so it's great to try it definitely yeah Yeah, absolutely so that was interesting but yeah great great race Um, men's 100 yeah. Reese, <laughs> well, the fact that it was windy was like really disappointing, wasn't mm. it? But like the, the two Americans were great, obviously. But obviously, but we're obviously more important, more more interested in uh, Reese Prescott. Who, oh, wow! And he doesn't look like a hundred meter runner to me. He looks like a two hundred meter mm. runner. He's all legs, isn't He's he? Very lanky. Yeah. Um, so I wonder what he can do over the two. And that was two tenths of a second quicker than his PB. So it's nine eighty eight. He ran, yes, didn't he? Yes, he did. Nine eighty eight. It's crazy. I mean, like when it was windy. It was windy. I know, but that, it, it still rounds up as a well, like under, well under ten, doesn't it? We, I mean, we have some people who can run on sub ten, but they run it once or but, but like, yeah. yeah we, but, there's been no consistency, has there? So that's hopefully what we can change in the next few years. Is like with this. Well, people, people are going to have to be yeah. running those times to get in the British team yeah. because there is there is yeah. around. There's probably eight plus people who are, who can run. 10 1, 10 10. Do you mean just like mm. so? It's gonna, you're gonna have to run that fast to get in the team nowadays. Is Noah Lyles the real deal? Yes, absolutely. Is that was so quick? No, but he is because when he won the world juniors, was it last year or was it the year before? It must be the year before because the world juniors is this year. Yes, yeah. Um, there was there was something a bit was did he do something a bit controversial or something? I remember there was a bit of con- controversy oh, around him mm. and he's a little bit cocky. Um, but then even like he came around last year, won Diamond League, didn't he? And so young, still 20, is he? Yeah, 20. Um, runs 1969, which is exactly the same t- time that um, South African... Um, so South Munoy. African, Munoy. Oh, yeah, Munoy, ran early in the year. He ran it at altitude. Um, this one was wind... Was it? No, it's two, two minutes, two, two meters exact, two dead. Um, Clarence Munoy obviously got a bit injured at the Commonwealth, so I think he came fourth in the end. But it'd be great to see them two race uh, later in the year. And they're 20 and 21, aren't they? Yeah. Really exciting. The future of sprinting post Usain Bolt, whisper it, is in safe hands. <laughs> I thought Omar McLeod looked amazing. Christian Taylor to win with the last round yeah. was 1773. Like he's just such a performer when it counts most. But Carsta Semenya. I mean, what I'm so impressed with her, obviously, we always are. Um, she did tell me that she's going to go for really fast times this year. I still think she can go faster. I think she's 
not necessarily holding back, but she's not got that race strategy perfect yet. She went through in 58. I think she was 50, I think she went through in 57, 99. Mm-hmm. And, must, and she came home in 55, 90 something. So it must have been two 58 second, like literally, perfect literally splits. perfect even splits. I would imagine, I've not looked into this and I could be talking absolute arse here, but she's such a strong finisher. Caster's splits must mostly be negative for well, her age. She said to me after the Commonwealth how pleased she was with the race she'd done there because she'd done um, even splits. Mm-hmm. So it must be something she's looking to do. And I think because we see her pulling away at the end, we assume she's increasing her pace or putting in a kick. I don't think she is. I think she's just slowing down less yes, than anybody yeah. else. Because that's, that's often what a kick is, actually, isn't it? It's yes. like, no, in, to maintain in, in, in an 800, certainly, yeah. you're, you're maintaining rather than actually running any faster. Hi, my name is Asha Phillip, and you're listening to The Backstreet Boys. Speaking of 800 metres, one of our favourite athletes on the pod, who perhaps isn't a favourite athlete of many pods, but I think is on the way to that sort of status, is Alex Bell. Oh, yes. Uh, ran at the BMC in... What, I'm assuming Watford is always Watford, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Who became the first British woman to run sub two minutes in an all-women's race at the BMC with 159.9. It's the first time she's ever gone sub two. It's such a symbolic number, yeah. isn't it, for the, for the um, 800 meter, women's 800 metres, that two-minute barrier. And to say you've gone under it is very significant. And I think what we were talking about on the last pod was about the Commonwealth Games and the confidence that people get from good performances there. She went into the Commonwealth Games, the, probably the third-ranked yeah. English athlete um, and fourth-ranked British athlete, comes out of it as the number one, and from that has gone... And that, like you said, in a paced race, but a women-only race, at the BMC, on a, probably a windy night in wherever, yeah. and to do that there, how much confidence does that give her for, mm. for later in the year and at the British trials, where she's going to absolutely believe she can get a place at the Europeans now? One of you made a really pertinent point last week that her performance at the Commonwealth shows that she can perform under pressure and that she should go to Europe because we know she'll deliver. I can't remember which one it was. Well, I think the point was that that's something that the selectors have now seen in her. So if there's a toss-up, she's the one who performed at the championships when no one one else did. Mm. And like we said, she ran that race, her her heat as a final, which probably some of the others should have done as well. So what other great performances have there been over the weekend or in the last week? Well, Gotsis. Of course. (laughs) Um... So, Gat Nafi TM won, 6,800 and something. 806. Um, great. After the first day, where she jumped 201 in the high jump. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> and she was obviously ecstatic. That's with the, that. What was the stat? It's the second highest amount of points that anyone has ever claimed in a single event in a heptathlon, other than Jackie Joyner Kersey. 724, yeah. yeah, long jump in Seoul, I think. Something like that. What an absolutely brilliant stat. Isn't that a brilliant stat? I love that. I think it came from John, did it? No, it wasn't oh, John. It was whoever, whoever wrote the report for the IWF. Oh, it wasn't right. John um, this time. What a great stat. Mm. Um, and... We then it did inspire some conversation about how two hundred one is not as good as twelve fifty four is not as good as other things because there's some funny things going on in having scoring. Yeah. But even so, after the first day, you're thinking, God, Nafi's on form. She's going to go over seven thousand again. Um, didn't quite pan out. She did another PB in the long jump. Yep, 662. So every time she steps on the track in a heptathlon, she sets PBs. Yeah. And then she doesn't really have a weak event anymore. She used to have a few, didn't she? Well, I mean, the 200 is is pr- pretty weak. But it's solid. You yes. know, it's, it's not it's not terrible, is it? No, it and the 800 I, is weaker as well. We yeah, 218 she ran. But then at that point, it was just about the win, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, of course, because she did... The, in the javelin, remember last year in the javelin, she threw 59 metres. Was it? No, 59, you're right. Yes. Yeah. So this year, she only, only threw four. 48, 47, 48, like which I means is actually a very decent javelin throw for a heptathlon. I read but, this morning in a Belgian newspaper, Google Translate really helped me out there, that she's experimenting with a new javelin yes, run up. Yes, so, I had. And she also in the high jump, it worked in the high jump, didn't necessarily work in the javelin, mm-hmm. but Gotsis is the place to, to um, experiment with things like that. But that 7,000 that she did last year, that javelin was significant amount of points. And it's going to be tough to throw that fifty-nine meters yeah, again because true. everyone threw massive, massive throws in that in that um, event, which they didn't haven't done since. So, I think it's unlikely she's going to be throwing fifty-nine meters in a javelin again. I think that might have, might have been a fluke. Be a fluke. In which case, she needs to find those points other places. Yeah. She's such a solid athlete. Oh, what yeah. I love about her, she's obviously insanely talented, but as a youngster, no more insanely talented than lots of other people. Mm. And what she does better than anybody, anybody since Jess, I think or Jess is the only other one I can think of who does this, is the way she picks stuff up, the way she sees a weakness and she goes and works it and she comes back and, 
and yeah. not just has learned the skill, but learns how to do it in competition, yeah, which is the important bit. Um, sorry, and also in the heptathlon, we, we had um, is it Erica Bugard? Erica Bugard um, in third over six thousand seven hundred, and Rodriguez the over, national record. Yeah. So that's another lot of athletes all over six thousand seven hundred mm. to go on to the ones from last year as well. Yeah. It's a great time for the heptathlon. And I don't think she went eyeballs out in that eight hundred meters because once the European record was off, she took her foot off the gas yeah. slightly. But really encouraging, I think, to see someone like Nafi Tiam, who's arguably one of the greatest multi-eventers already of all time just because of her raw ability and her competition execution she was pushed all the way she only won by about uh, 65 points yes and I think that's important as well because we see her as someone who's miles ahead of everybody else but if other people can perform to their best like she does it's going to be a lot closer it it was at the world championships last year we expected her to come out and win by hundreds of points she once again only won by around 100 points. Because if you if everyone does up their game and she just slips a bit, yeah, exactly. that's when the doors open, isn't it? And, it only, and also that's the pressure. If other people are up in their game, maybe she may slip a bit. And that's kind of what we want to see. I mean, we, we like people who are very, very good at the event, but when someone becomes totally dominant, it becomes a bit less exciting, doesn't and it? And for there is so much that can go wrong. Yeah. Caroline Schaefer, three no throws in the shot put, if <laughs> I'm remembering that correctly. It's, you know, it's bloody difficult thing to get right a heptathlon so it doesn't matter whether you've got talent coming out of your ears it can go yeah. wrong but we've and not seen Nafi make a mistake because remember in Gotsis in 2016 right. she mm. came 5th or 6th and close to the Olympics scores like 500 points more sets so a PB mm. in every single um, event I think it was or something like Six that or something yeah. silly mm. um, and since then that's what she's done every time Gotsis last year over 7,000 points the world championships she's she, so impressive the way she can pr- produce PBs in heptathlons. People mm. don't often do that. Yeah. Hi guys, I'm Tom Bosworth and you're listening to the Backstraight Boys. Now Damien Warner won the decathlon, didn't he? he? Did. With a PB, is that And right? a national record, yeah. Very, very strange, because I just assumed he'd scored higher than that before. I saw that, that um, what was it, um, seven... Uh, was seven... 8,795. Yeah, I mean, that's a very high score, but mm. just in my head, Damien Warner had kind of before. I think that's because Damien Warner, unlike Nafi Tiam, is someone who can occasionally have a disastrous single event. We've seen exactly. <laughs> we've seen it from him before. He's not someone who always manages consistency across the two days. But, but if you look at his performances, he's very good in the sprints, yeah. in the in the long jump. Long jump. Um, the throws are weak, but they're okay. Fourteen eighty, I think, and um, uh, forty-seven meters, something like that. Very, very decent. Um, pole vault four eighty. He hasn't got. A big weakness, and mm. when he does get it together, he's he, he's going to score very high. When you when you've got that kind of speed, it's so useful in the, in the decathlon. Yeah. Jessen is completely compensated for the fact that she's so diminutive by being incredibly explosive. Yeah. And I think Damien's just another example that's really well put because multi events, more so the heptathlon, but also the case in the decathlon, it's about speed, it's about power. Now, don't we have another winner at Gotsis? Did uh, yes. <laughs> Didn't someone else else win something? Well, I don't know if you can say second place is winning because really I would have wanted the signed polo shirt. But (laughs) I finished second in the fancy got us lucky dip. Yay! (laughs) We're taking some vicarious um, uh, (laughs) pleasure in that ourselves. Um, Just just to explain for people who don't know, Mm. the um, Gotsis Fantasy Lucky Dip is a competition which is put on by our good friend um, Gabriella, who on um, Twitter is Smoking Smoking Mozzarella. Mozzarella. Um, she puts it on every year. It's a lucky um, a fantasy, it's like fantasy football book for um, for heptathletes, isn't yeah, it? Or, or the, the, the multi events. Um, if you enter, you get given. Is it four? You get yeah, two, two, two men, four, two women, yeah. and then points are totted up, and whoever gets the most points wins some nice swag that she collects over the year, and she gets really great stuff. Um, Claire, you came second, yeah? I did. I was first at the end of day one. I haven't been contacted oh. yet. Um, Oh, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a pair of split Adidas shorts in honour of <laughs> my leading athlete, which was Mr. Weibo. But I just want to actually just reiterate what you said about the work that, that Gabby does. Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, it's huge. Gabby is one of the hosts of Trackcastic, our sister our friend podcast. Um, and the amount of work that she puts in it, um, and she's obsessed with... I mean, she came on before Gotsis last yeah, year to talk to did. us about a multi-event. She knows everything about multi-events. She's obsessed with multi-events. She went to Gotsis for the first time this year, and she cried twice when on entering the stadium. <laughs> I wish we got actually yeah, just because yeah. I, I actually made my it made me very happy this weekend seeing how happy she was. Yes. Um, so I'm sure we'll hear all about it on, on the next trackcastic. Yeah, I'm very grateful, Gabby. Thank you for uh, doing what I asked and giving me really good athletes. And also, <laughs> last year they did a fantasy um, London 
was it London last yes, year? Yes, for, for the summer. World Champs. For the World Championships, where you've got all different events. So there's probably, I assume there might be one for Berlin as well. So We'd everyone keep that. an eye out for that and we'll tell you all about it. This is Jess Jad and you are listening to the Backstraight Boys. Jazz Sawyers yes. is now hopefully going to Berlin. She was in Ordegum. How was that pronounced? <laughs> I don't know. Ordegum. It sounds like something off Doctor Who. But she, importantly, uh, 666, unlucky for some, but for Jazz obviously a golden ticket to Berlin which is great because we'd all I think she was not just us but she was getting worried wasn't she because she's yeah. had like lots of change in the coaching etc and it just wasn't coming together um, and now it seems she, what she was saying is everything's going right you know I'm, I'm, the training's going great it's just not being able to do it on the day um, fingers crossed that's now changed as she moves forward Watched for the rest of the season her- jump the 666 one and she's looking fast she's looking lean she said that she's been working incredibly hard on her sprint technique because she's training with Tori Bowie and a lot of fantastic sprinters and she says that she's just feeling more athletic than ever and she looked it it was a really smooth jump so yeah there were some other good British performances Perry ran 52 um, fastest since the comeback Um, I think one of the Nielsen's I'm not sure which one uh, I think it was Lavia ran her best opening ever or something and I think the other twin did the four hurdles around yes, 57 Lena. did she mm. run 57 I don't you know, I can't remember I, the time but she was really I but think, how interesting yes because she's moved on to that I think the flat speed wasn't quite where it needed to be but she's a very good athlete very well balanced good spatial awareness so she's moving into the hurdles yeah well listen it was a great weekend of athletics um, I'm sure we've missed some stuff as well loads of stuff <laughs> here. undoubtedly but we're always going to exactly <laughs> shout out to Melissa Courtney for winning the Westminster Mile Chris O'Hare for winning the men's race Steph 12 for winning the 10,000 Mo Farah won in Manchester last week won in London this week he's obviously just really happy and running really well at the moment which is good to see Thank you very much for joining us again at the Backstreet Boys. I hope you enjoyed our rambling chat. I know it's not been the most structured this week, but it's been fun. (laughs) I'm sure you'll put it together in the edit, Claire. Um, So thanks very much. We'll be back in a week or so. What have we got planned coming up? We have got... What? Gosh, you know what? We need to sit down and talk about that. <laughs> there is so much going on. It's an absolutely stacked calendar and it's, there's not even an Olympics or a World Champs this year, but I feel there are so many competitions and like you said, the Diamond League is off to a sensational start. So we'll be back in the next few weeks. Thank you very much. In the meantime, please go onto iTunes, rate and review us. There's some nice swag for good reviews. We'll announce another winner next week, shall we? Yeah, and uh, subscribe. It's really important to subscribe. Yeah. If you want to join in the conversation, if there's anything you'd like us to talk about, get onto Twitter, send us a message message at, at backstraight b and i am at claire underscore g thomas thanks once again and we'll speak to you very soon bye, bye. bye. <laughs>